Star Wars 7x7 episode 2037. Today, more questions from our patrons answered on the show. We're going to talk about prophecies from Master and Apprentice and whether they apply to the rise of Skywalker. We're also going to talk about Luke and Leia's lightsabers in that final scene. And we're going to talk about the plans for Star Wars actors appearing in future Star Wars projects. Punch it! Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. So, here we go, more questions from patrons about various Star Wars topics including stuff about the rise of Skywalker. In fact, I'd say it's mostly about that. We're going to start off with Beth Koretnik, who has this to ask. Do you think the prophecies in Master and Apprentice are there to help explain Palpatine's return? Particularly page 41 and 288. Thanks. And these are the two prophecies about which she is speaking. One of them is from a scene where Obi-Wan is reflecting on prophecies with which Dooku is obsessed. And the text says, One prophecy in particular occupied him, Dooku, more than any other. He who learns to conquer death will, through his greatest student, live again. And the other one later on is with Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon talking about prophecies. And Obi-Wan's reading this one to Qui-Gon. When the righteous lose the light, evil once dead shall return. And Obi-Wan says, That's so vague, it could refer to anything or anyone. And Beth, thank you also for sending me photos of the pages in question as well. <laughs> as I had to tell Beth, I only have the audio for Master and Apprentice, so a little hard to figure out where page 41 is in an audio. So Beth, thank you very much for doing that for me. So for those of you who are not familiar with Master and Apprentice, it's a novel by Claudia Gray. It came out last year and featured Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan in an adventure that takes place before the events of The Phantom Menace. And Qui-Gon is very interested in Jedi prophecies, but his master and his apprentice both kind of see them differently. Qui-Gon likes to look at prophecies and see whether they map to events that have already happened, whereas his master Dooku thinks that they apply to future events still, and his apprentice Obi-Wan thinks that they're just utter and complete rubbish. But certainly Lucasfilm has shown us over and over again that they seed ideas for different stories in other media. So it wouldn't be too surprising to consider that the notion of Palpatine's return in The Rise of Skywalker being foreshadowed by any prophecies in Master and Apprentice, yeah, that's certainly possible. And to do that, you would have to consider the prophecies in there, at least the ones that Beth is referring to, as future-oriented ones from the time at which Dooku was reading them and the time at which Obi-Wan was reading them. So I think both of those prophecies that we talked about here are in reference to Palpatine, but I don't know if they both apply in the same way. First of all, the one about he who learns to conquer death will, through his greatest student, live again. If we're assuming that Palpatine is the one who learns to conquer death, then through his greatest student he lives again. We don't know who that greatest student is, at least you know that person is not introduced to us in The Rise of Skywalker. As far as we know at this point, his greatest student was Darth Vader, and obviously Darth Vader has been gone for three decades, so that wouldn't necessarily be the greatest student. If we are to presume that this prophecy is about Palpatine, 
then there's a story that needs to be told about who his greatest student ultimately is and how that student helped him arrive at the point where we see him in The Rise of Skywalker. That's how you would have to read that prophecy in order for it to be a depiction of what we saw in The Rise of Skywalker. At least that's how I read it. But I have to say that I feel like this is more aptly applied to the story of Darth Plagueis and Darth Sidious, aka Palpatine, and that of course is the story that we had in Revenge of the Sith about how Plagueis was learning the secret to, you know, fighting death people, uh, saving the people that he loved from dying, and how ironic that he was killed in his sleep by his apprentice. So I think that Plagueis is supposed to be the person who learned to conquer death and through his greatest student, which would be Palpatine, lives again. So somehow, you know, Plagueis's power lives in Darth Sidious, which I guess you could say when Sidious Palpatine in The Rise of Skywalker says, I am all of the Sith, that's sort of a reflection of that possibility in a way as well. This whole prophecy business is, you know, real slippery. <laughs> so I guess from a certain point of view, that works. So that's what I would say about that one, at least. As for the other one about when the righteous lose the light, evil once dead shall return. Yeah, it'll be is <laughs> right. That one is pretty vague, but I do think it can be mapped over the rise of Palpatine in the rise of Skywalker in a couple of different ways, potentially. So... Really, what you have to ask yourself is the question, where, is, where are the righteous losing the light? One place that could happen, or one place you could consider that happening, is the moment in The Last Jedi where we see the flashback to what really happened at the Jedi Temple where Luke was thinking about killing Ben in Ben's sleep and then said, oh my god, what a terrible thing I've done, but too late, because Ben already saw him with a lit lightsaber, and that just blew everything up. So that's one way you could consider you know, the righteous losing the light. Another way you could consider that is at the end of The Last Jedi, with Luke Skywalker passing away, and at that point, even though you have a very strong Force user in Rey, and even though you have a person of Skywalker blood in Leia who are still alive, the Jedi are essentially gone. Like, Luke was the last of the Jedi at that moment, and when he dies, the last of the Jedi have died. And that is another way you could look at the notion of the righteous losing the light. So essentially, <laughs> we're doing what Qui-Gon was doing, which is taking these prophecies and looking back on the events that have already happened and seeing whether they apply. And I do think there's a strong case to be made, at least certainly for that one about the righteous losing the light. You can make the case for the other one as well. I just feel like it's more of a Plagueis Sidious thing personally, but that's just me. Thank you very much for those questions, Beth. They were awesome. All right, let's move on to a question from Senseless Babble, who is actually Tim McMahon. Great name. Um, formerly the host of Less Than 12 Parsecs, formerly the co-host of the Expanded Verse podcast, and formerly the co-host of the Late Lamented With Me Expanded Comic Verse podcast. So here's one of the questions that Tim has. And I'm doing this out of order, which is why he says follow-up question, but it's not really a follow-up, just, you know, so you know. I just read this question online, so I can't say it's mine, but 
I think it's interesting in Rise of Skywalker, instead of the second saber being Leia's, which we've never seen before and have no emotional connection to, should it have been Luke's green blade? What are your thoughts? So we're talking about the scene at the end of The Rise of Skywalker, where Rey buries both Anakin slash Luke's blue lightsaber as well as Leia's lightsaber. And what he's wondering is if it should have been Luke's green lightsaber instead of Leia's lightsaber. So here's the thing. I feel like this is going to be a really personal answer for anyone who is posed this question. For me, I will say that my heart still <laughs> leaps up into my throat the moment that R2-D2 launches Luke's new green lightsaber out of the top of his dome in Return of the Jedi, okay? I mean, literally still, to this day, it's the same reaction every single time. My heart leaps into my throat. Cannot tell you why it's still like that, it just is. So I definitely have a very strong emotional connection to that lightsaber. That being said, my reaction to the reveal of Leia's lightsaber in The Rise of Skywalker, uh, it wasn't necessarily on a par with that same reaction about Luke's green lightsaber, but it was in the same neighborhood. It was like, <gasps> ooh, like... I was really taken off guard by that and the hair on my arms raised up and I was just blown away. I was like, tell me about this. And that scene, unfortunately, that flashback scene happened so fast and the voiceover happened so fast. Three times I've seen the movie so far, I still haven't processed it. I want to process it. I want to watch that scene over and over again. I feel like the reason why Leia stopped her training has not been fully adequately explained to my heart at least. <laughs> but I was so excited by the reveal of that lightsaber personally. And so I kind of developed a rather quick emotional connection to it. So for me, the burying of the blue lightsaber and the Leia's lightsaber, not the green lightsaber, that was wholly appropriate for me. I will also say that for me, they could have certainly exchanged the blue lightsaber for the green lightsaber. And so they could have buried Luke's green lightsaber and Leia's lightsaber. And I would have been fine with that as a story choice as well, because I'm still not clear on how the Anakin blue lightsaber is actually back to life again. And we don't know what's happened to the green lightsaber. Where is that? So, you know, that makes me wonder if Luke even has it anymore. That would be an interesting question unto itself. But anyway, like I said, for me at least, I very rapidly developed an emotional connection to Leia's lightsaber. And so I was perfectly fine with that being the one buried and not Luke's green lightsaber. Again, though, I think this is a really personal question in that if you ask 100 Star Wars fans, you're going to get 105 answers about it. So that's my take, at least. And thank you, Tim, for asking it. Now, I've got one other question to answer, and it's also from Tim. And I'm going to take care of that one after the break. Stay tuned. 
Hey Rebel Razor, I've made some changes to the asteroid belt level at patreon.com slash SW7X7 and they are all with sponsors in mind. So if you want to get the word out about your business, your product, your service to a dedicated Star Wars audience, then please check out patreon.com slash SW7X7 and look for the asteroid belt level for details. Again, that's patreon.com slash SW7X7. Welcome back. All right, here is the other question that Tim had for me. He said, John Boyega recently said something along the lines of, you're not going to Disney plus me. That said, in your opinion, do you think we will ever see John, Daisy, or Oscar back in that galaxy far, far away again? I'm talking live action here. Animated voiceovers don't count. And so the thing he was referring to was a story on Variety's website, and Variety asked... John Boyega if they would ever see him in any Star Wars projects again and he talked about Disney Plus as one of his responses so here actually is the story from Variety itself. Boyega says, I ain't getting no Disney Plus. I'm watching it though but I'll stay in the feature films. And Boyega made clear that he would hypothetically be interested in making another Star Wars movie. As long as Daisy and Oscar are down for it then I'll come back, he says. Ridley and Isaac, however, are much less gung-ho. I don't know, Isaac tells Variety. He says that while he would miss the camaraderie he experienced making the trilogy, starting with 2015's Star Wars The Force Awakens, he sees The Rise of Skywalker as, quote, the closing of a chapter of my life, unquote. I'm happy and feeling fulfilled that the task is complete, he says, opening the quote again, so I can't imagine what it would be that would make me want to redo this thing or revisit it, unquote. Ridley feels the same way. She says, quote, I just don't know if anything could top this one, honestly. I think it's just a great story and a great close, and even though obviously the characters continue to exist, it would have to be so extraordinary to return, and I don't know if that's possible. And that story was posted on Variety on December 5th, which was obviously about 10 days before the release of The Rise of Skywalker in theaters. Is that right? Oh gosh, who can remember anymore? Well, it was certainly <laughs> before the release of The Rise of Skywalker in theaters. And the fact that Daisy Ridley said that the characters continue to exist, well, I don't know why we weren't all screaming about that because there was still some question, some doubt about who would actually survive the events of The Rise of Skywalker, including Rey herself. So that would have been a you know big signal that, hey, Rey's gonna live through this whole thing. Anyway, so based on Tim's question, John Boyega says that he would be open to doing feature films. He's not going to do any Disney Plus TV series, or at least that's what he's saying now. And I'm not talking about animated voiceovers because, as Tim said, it doesn't count, or at least it's not counting for this question. Oscar Isaac's response actually reminds me a little bit of the response of Dennis Lawson, who played Wedge Antilles in the original trilogy. And from what I understand, he was invited to potentially be a part of The Force Awakens and said, why would I want to go back and do that again? And so <laughs> was ultimately a very contrarian person about it. And yet, changed his tune for The Rise of Skywalker, which I haven't seen any reporting on, you know, what made him change his mind or anything like that? Don't know. But Oscar Isaac's answer did kind of remind me of that to some degree. And as for Daisy Ridley, well, shucks. I feel like I'm pulling this out of thin air, and yet I don't feel like I am. But 
I'm walking around under the impression that she has said in interviews since the release of The Rise of Skywalker that she is open to doing more Star Wars movies. And my thinking on this whole subject is that as far as Daisy and Oscar and Isaac go, I think it would have to be a situation kind of like the you know, folks coming back from the original trilogy. Like, this would have to be something that would happen 10, 12, 15 years down the line, and it would have to be a new story with new characters and integrate them in some fashion, or maybe it is about them, but it's about them, you know, much further down the line, working to restore the galaxy, and yeah, maybe things haven't gone as well as they might have hoped in the process. Certainly, they're you know, dealing with the First Order at the end of The Rise of Skywalker, and people are starting to rise up against the First Order, but man, I don't know. The First Order, they were supposed to take military control of the galaxy within weeks, as we heard in The Last Jedi, so you would think that rising up against the First Order wouldn't necessarily go so easily or so quickly. I imagine that there's got to be a lot more fighting after the events of The Rise of Skywalker. It's just my take on the subject. So I think there's a potential for a story for Daisy and Oscar and John down the line, but I do feel like they're going to want to stay clear of Star Wars for a while, at least just to cleanse the palate, just to get involved in other projects, just to, you know, not be typecast into space opera roles, if you will, <laughs> and get to stretch their legs. So that's what I think about the subject. And yes, there are folks who have seen some things from John Boyega online suggesting that maybe he isn't thrilled with the you know, the writing of Star Wars and maybe Oscar Isaac isn't either. Maybe Daisy Ridley isn't either. I don't know, it's hard to say. But ultimately, they have a spot in this franchise and if there is a story and a storyteller with whom they connect very strongly, I think there's every reason to believe that they would come back to the galaxy far, far away. So that's my take on it. Tim, thank you so much for those questions and Beth, thank you for your questions as well. Thank you to all the patrons who chimed in and also for the patrons who didn't. Thank you so much for supporting the show on an ongoing basis. I'm so grateful to you for helping make this show possible. And if you are not a patron, but would like to consider doing so, please check out the Patreon page for the show. That's patreon.com SW7X7. And that is going to do it for today's episode of the show. Thank you so much for joining me for it, as always. And may the force be with you, wherever in the world you may be. Star Wars 7x7 is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2020 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.